Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. As of airtime, New York State still did not have a budget. We talked about that budget with Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist in terms of items of importance to the city, as well as what's going on with cannabis, given that the timeline for seeing dispensaries open has slowed down a bit. We have Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist in studio today with us. Welcome again. Thanks so much for having me, Julia. Excited to be here. So as we talk on Tuesday morning, we're still waiting for lawmakers to pass a state budget. Maybe by the time this airs, there will be one in place. But have can you tell us more about what you've heard about the budget in terms of what may or may not be in there for cities? Well, you know, cities have a lot of different components of the budget each year. And you're absolutely right. We were hoping to have a budget uh, on time, which is usually by April 1st of each year. Uh, unfortunately, they are still negotiating that process. Uh, the way it works for your listeners is the governor submits an executive budget each year. Then both the uh, Assembly and the Senate uh, will submit uh, each their own separate budget. And then there'll be a reconciliation process, kind of a negotiation between the uh, executive's office and the legislature. So we're still waiting on that process. There's been a lot of additional things thrown in to complicate Uh, the budget, things like bail reform, uh, ethics reform, you know, a lot of different items that have slowed down this process. But when you ask about what's in it for cities, there's a couple things that mayors, including myself for the city of Jamestown, have been advocating. Uh, Number one is increased aid to municipalities, which has not gone up in many, many years. We're looking at two decades at this point. Uh, So it's not even adjusted with the cost of living. So we are asking for an increase in that. We've been lobbying very hard uh, for that uh, to, to increase the amount. Uh, both the, uh, the legislative budgets had indicated an increase. The executive one did not. Uh, so we are hoping that we are going to see something in that regard uh, when the final budget comes out. We also saw a sustained increase in what's uh, road repair funding, things we often call CHIPS or Extreme Winter Recovery. Uh, or there is a pothole paving program. Um, We're quite unsure what that's going to look like yet, but uh, we know that there is going to be increased funding in road repair. And not just fixing the roads, but looking at, we at the city are looking at how do we use this funding to be more sustainable and to make sure that our city is more walkable, uh, more mobile for all different types of pedestrians, bikers, or scooters, e-bikes, whatever you got nowadays, right? We want you to get across the city, uh, given the fact that we have kids that walk to school and we've got uh, persons that are impaired. We want them to be able to use our sidewalks, uh, our streets, and use those things safely. Mm-hmm. Is the increase in chips or extreme weather, is that something that's related to infrastructure funding from the feds, or is this just its own state funding increase? It's its own state funding. It could be uh, related to some of the funding the state had received under the rescue plan funds, Uh, but they've maintained the numbers. Last year, we received an increase, a really significant increase in road repair cost, uh, and that has been sustained to this budget. Under the prior Cuomo administration, uh, each year that would be stripped out of the budget. 
so it's great to see that that is going to be a sustained amount uh, for this year. Mm-hmm. We we talk about it. We're finally we're in the spring season, but around these parts we know it as construction season. So, is there any kind of preview on how maybe some of this anticipated increase in chips funding might be used for street reconstructions or construction projects? You know, I think we get I get asked that by city council. I get asked that by the public. Uh, it's still fairly early for us to release the lists of streets that are going to be redone. Uh, we're still trying to complete projects from last year. Uh, I can say that I, I often joke with our, our public works director, Jeff Lehman, that, uh, you know, he's probably busier than he was when he first got hired at the city because we have so many projects uh, going on with this increased funding. And we have a lot of challenges with uh, contracted labor. So most of the city's work is done by our internal employees, but things that can't get done by those, we do contract that out. Things like uh, sidewalks, curbing, whatnot, uh, as well as some ro- larger road projects that just have equipment that we may not have here at the city. Uh, so it's been really a huge challenge to not only cost those out, but to also make sure that we have uh, start dates for some of those projects. So to sum it up, to be determined, we're going to be working uh, shortly to try to figure out which roads we're going to repair, and we'll release the large list very soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kathy Hochul's uh, program, the Potholes program, it'll be interesting to really see what comes out of it because we are in a season where the the hot plant, I guess, or hot patch is finally available, well, should be available very soon in April, and that's that's the thing that really makes the potholes get filled. So. It is, yeah. We cold patch now, and uh, as your listeners probably know, we've been out filling potholes I've tried to highlight some of the work of our public works crews on doing that. Um, you know, you may not think potholes are sexy, right? But the reality is, is those are the things you have to drive over every single day, right? Those are the things that my own mother calls me about and says, why didn't we fix this this pothole on the street, right? Those are the ones that we worry about and uh, they really do impact your life. So we want to make sure we're working on filling those. Uh, but you're absolutely right. We start to change the way we, we do that process as the weather gets a little bit better uh, and helps to have a more permanent cover of those pots. Right. Yeah. Hot patch is the stuff that sticks. Cold patch is the stuff that doesn't. What can we say? But moving back to talking about the budget, you had mentioned bail reform in your comments just now, but also you mentioned it last night at city council meeting. And you had said you pr- had provided council members with some information about how some of the bail reform would impact the city and based on what Governor Hochul has proposed. Uh, could you further elaborate on what some of those changes to bail reform are in terms of how they affect the city? Well, we're, we're unsure if any uh, bail reform is going to actually occur in the budget this year. It might be its own separate bill. But uh, we had the unique opportunity to uh, be on a conference call with the governor's office as they started to discuss potential bail reform changes uh, that they were circulating amongst mayors for comment. Uh, We provided that information uh, to the city council. Uh, The news has reported on some of those potential changes. Uh, But really, bail reform has has been kind of one of the number one issues uh, across New York State, Uh, although I am very much in favor of being able to make sure that we aren't putting low-level offenders uh, in jail because they can't pay a $500 or $1,000 bail fee. That makes no sense, right? If you commit a, a petty larceny, you, you steal some chewing gum from a store, there's no reason that we need to put you in jail and have a large bail. But uh, there are, we've noticed along the way that uh, we have seen when you expand bail reform too much that you start to uh, see the repeat offenders. Uh, and we had uh, one individual that was reported in the news that 
was arrested, I think, 13 or 14 times in one weekend, right? And every, every crime, he was released. What do you do with that, right? How do you handle those things? Uh, and on top of you know giving people appearance tickets and them just not showing back up to court. Now, there are some serious cases that we believe that you should be able to be held on bail, that uh, the cases involving gun charges, domestic violence, uh, those types of things are very serious offenses that we are seeing uh, not only repeat offenders, but people going back to victimize uh, others, right? And that's a huge issue. So we had uh, got a chance to speak with the governor's office about various bail reforms that, that she was proposing. So I guess you would call it a reform to the bail reform, maybe. Uh, but uh, there were things like giving more judicial discretion uh, back. And that is more so courts being able to consider uh, certain cases, for example, domestic violence cases or um, pending appeals on charges uh, in order to make this a bailable offense, right? Um, we're also looking at being able to really consider the safety of persons in the community, right? If someone is a violent felon or has a significant risk of failure to appear, then the judge could potentially set bail. And that includes various charges. So various larger misdemeanor charges, gun crimes, right? You can be charged with a gun crime, for example, bringing a gun to a school and you're released, right? Why are we doing that, <laughs> right? Why are we allowing those things to happen? Um, and we've also, the governor also proposed some changes to the discovery process. So as of right now, um, every piece of information that is collected by the government, which could be the police department or any type of agency, uh, must be released to uh, the um, defendant within a certain time frame. Uh, now, we're talking about even the piece of scrap paper that maybe a patrol officer wrote, arrived on the scene and left 20 minutes later, right? And did, had nothing to do with that crime scene. Uh, cases have been kicked out because that piece of paper has not been submitted, right? They couldn't even find it in many cases. Uh, so this is a, a change to discovery law that would... Um, allow prosecutors to have uh, substantial compliance. So turning over the majority of evidence, and in many cases, all of the evidence being used at trial, but not evidence that is really insignificant to the case. For example, like the patrolman's logbook that had nothing to do with the incident. And one thing to note for, for listeners, when you talk about bailable uh, offenses, is that even it, you could still set bail for offenses that currently don't have it under the reform law, but that doesn't mean that the person is going to be just in jail. They could make bail and be released. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is, there is a distinction. So because yeah, there, bail's not meant to you know hold people indefinitely. It's just another tool to use in the event that they might be a risk. Well, you're evaluating whether mm -hmm. someone's a flight risk. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing now is that even with appearance tickets, someone will rack up five, 10, 15 appearance tickets and still not show up back to court, right? So now what we're seeing is an increase in warrants. And so we're arresting more people on warrants than anything else because they just haven't shown up to court. Right. And, and you know, speaking from our side, we don't report on a lot of those, but we I do see all the releases that come in from not just Jamestown Police, but from Chautauqua County Sheriff's Office as well. So yeah, it is something I was, I've noticed. I'm like, oh, this is another warrant arrest. I said that, and it struck me that I was seeing more of them and that explains it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Changing topics, moving on to something different. So a year ago, 
we expected by this time we would see cannabis dispensaries opening. And, and I, as I might jokingly, I think I even said this to you in an email. I said, New York state is going to New York state. So as an elected official who's been pro-cannabis on the business side, can you give us an update on where we are with the whole legalization of cannabis and moving to, you know, being able to provide it in the community and stores and whatnot? You know, what is interesting from the government side is you're right. The, this administration has been very pro-cannabis in terms of treating this as a manufacturer, any other manufacturer that we might see. Uh, what has been really interesting is, is we've talked to other mayors and even uh, labor unions representing cannabis sector, uh, professionals, consultants. The city of Jamestown is so much farther ahead than many other communities where we're thinking about the ability to, to zone and how do we want to make sure we have the right type of dispensary in our community uh, and to make sure that they qualify as a really community asset. Uh, other communities just haven't started anywhere, right? They they are waiting. Uh, we've been kept, kept tabs very closely on the Office of Cannabis Management and the Cannabis Board. Um, we regularly have written to, uh, to, I've regularly written to the Cannabis Board about the work we're doing here in Jamestown. Uh, you know, I wish I had a timeline. Uh, I think that's the biggest question that I get as I uh, talk to people that are interested in uh, any any sector of cannabis, um, we just don't. We don't have a timeline. Uh, we know that the state needs to release its regulations at some point. Uh, we know that the state is looking at uh, hemp producers as kind of the starting point for the cannabis growers, uh, which I will note that Chautauqua County only has one, and it's in the city of Jamestown, uh, believe it or not. I uh, wonder how that happened, right? Uh, but... Uh, there are, I, I'm not sure there are any in Cattaraugus. There might be one in Cattaraugus, but uh, we're really it here in Chautauqua. But, you know, we're waiting. It's kind of a wait and see game. We are doing everything we can to get people to the point where they're ready to apply for a license. Uh, the city has a, a process to request a letter of support uh, that has, you know, five or six uh, notions that we expect to see from someone that uh, wants to be invested in the community in order to either dispense cannabis or grow cannabis, right? Uh, and we have heard from the Office of Cannabis Management that a municipal letter of support and a comment period from the municipality uh, will be a very large thing in any application. So that's why we've encouraged people to reach out to the city, to talk to us now about it. And we've had conversations from everything from a small uh, growing and dispensary operations uh, to people that have now purchased large warehouses and factories uh, in hopes of getting a cannabis license for growth here in the city of Jamestown. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that, well, I mean, I could ask you, maybe you'll tell me, maybe you won't. Are you able to talk about where any of those factories have been been uh, purchased or those spaces or who those groups are that have come in? You know, we, uh, we kind of keep it confidential for now to give them time to prepare their applications and the things they do. You know, our role as the city is to provide information for folks, right? We, we often see and hear kind of when things are, are happening and we, uh, we keep those in the back of their mind. But uh, until someone actually gets a license, uh, which is the biggest part of the process, right? Uh, we we kind of try to just assist them along the way. And uh, once they do, we'll be happy to work with them uh, to move things forward. And in, in some of these cases, we're talking about significant jobs uh, being created here in the community. Uh, jobs in terms of uh, botanists, right? P scientists, uh, people that uh, are planting and testing plants. Uh, it's really an incredible thing when you get to see some of these operations in other states uh, that are are growing 
um, for all intents and purposes, medical uh, type marijuana, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking about information, uh, there is a, an event that the city of Jamestown is involved with at the Grow Jamestown Garden Fair event that's coming up uh, later this month that is about cannabis. Could you tell us more about that event? Absolutely. So uh, Grow Jamestown, obviously, we're really excited to uh, to have back and to talk about all the wonderful things uh, that we, we can do here in the city of Jamestown in terms of sustainable food sources, uh, growing plants and other, uh, and other things. Uh, but there is a section, uh, I think they're calling it Grow After Dark, uh, which is a, a panel of uh, various individuals, uh, some that have indicated they're interested in either growing operations, dispensary operations. Uh, we've got an individual, um, uh, Stephanie Wright, who is our economic uh, coordinator for the city of Jamestown Development Office, will be there on the panel as well. And um, we've recently uh, uh, were able to add in um, one of the labor organizers uh, for, uh, of the cannabis industry, uh, who we're excited to be able to have come in and talk to the panel as well. Um, and that's important because every, uh, every type of either whether it's a dispensary or a, a cultivation or manufacturing uh, does have to have a labor peace agreement, right? Which means an agreement saying that they're not going to union bust. They're going to work with any union that may want to try to unionize their operation. Uh, so having those conversations with union representatives up front is a really important thing for any type of in, uh, cannabis uh, person or business, right? here in the New York state mm-hmm. for, uh, and in terms of that event, I mean, who, who should be going to this as a, as an audience member? Well, you know, it's a really unique event where you get to learn not only what we as a city are doing, but what others have already started doing. And all these people have been connected with the city in some way in terms of moving it forward, or we know about their plans. We've been working with them. Right. Uh, but uh, really anyone that might be interested uh, in the cannabis sphere or uh, what they think it might look like. I have been absolutely shocked to uh, be able to go to different farms and to see where cannabis is being grown, just to see the level of detail uh, that goes into it, right? The science behind uh, some of this work. And it is really spectacular. So even if someone may be on the fence, right, just wants to come in and uh, learn more about it, uh, we highly recommend that you come uh, check out this panel and to, to learn a little bit more about some of the work that's going on even here in the community. Mm-hmm. So the Grow the Grow James and the After Dark uh, panel event will be taking place on Saturday, April 23rd. I believe it's being held at the Beer Snob. That's correct, yes. So yeah, keeping on, uh, on things that are green, Earth Day is later this month as well. And as we talk about things that grow, and, and I want to talk about climate change. Uh, in terms of thinking about, is the city involved in any initiatives right now? Or are there projects that you hope to get involved with that involve preventing climate change or dealing with climate change here in Jamestown. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that it's really important to note that uh, we have uh, completely shifted our thought process at at the city uh, to talk about resiliency, climate resiliency. Here's a really interesting idea, and it's really more of a fact. We see more people migrating to areas that have more sustainable weather than ever before. So we see people move out, you know, migrate out of places with the earthquakes, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, and they're coming to places like Jamestown, like Buffalo, like Western New York, uh, that has, uh, you know, although we have to deal with the snow, I- I'm, I'm going to, you know, put that out there. Uh, it's uh, fairly mild considering that we have all four seasons and we have very uh, climate times during the year, right? It's very 
uh, pretty, the weather's nice, right? Let's put it, that's probably the simplest way I could say it. Uh, it stays pretty consistent. But what we are seeing is more people move to those areas to take up uh, you know, new homes, new opportunities. Uh, and as we think about that, we as a planning staff, the city of Jamestown, start to say, how can we design our roads, our bridges, our parks, our, our cityscape uh, to be sustainable? Right to not only focus on more uh, immigration from uh, climate, what they call climate refugees, which obviously has a lot of different connotations right now, uh, but also how do we uh, make sure that what we're designing is sustainable uh, to be impacted by climate change? We know that weather that summers are going to get hotter. We know that winters are going to get colder. Uh, how do we also design our, like I said, our roads, our bridges, our, our cityscape? Uh, to to deal with those types of things. So we, we use that climate lens uh, in almost everything our planning department does here in the city. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be an interview if I didn't ask you about American Rescue Plan funds and what is going on with them. Uh, obviously, there was a big meeting that was held uh, last, was it last week or two weeks ago? I'm losing track of my time again. But uh, there was a meeting held to talk further about some of the programs um, under e- the Economic Development and Housing Umbrella. Uh, as councils chipped away at the amount of funding that is available, how, but how much funding is left right now um, out of what's been allocated? I shouldn't say it, maybe not spent, but at least allocated. Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, we still have a lot of money allocated, a lot of money left. Uh, to be honest, uh, the economic development uh, bucket that we were looking at, that our development office has been working on. Uh, really only planned uh, for about five million. Now, as a reminder, we have twenty-eight million uh, that has been allocated to the city. Uh, about five million of that would be for economic development purposes. Uh, we had anticipated and allocated about ten, so only about five million has been programmed uh, so far, or soon to be programmed. Uh, and we have allocated about ten million dollars in lost revenue. Uh, of that, for the first uh, two years, we're looking at. Um, just under, I think, uh, three or four million in uh, lost revenue. So lost revenue can only be claimed from 2020 to 2024 or to the end of 2023. So that may seem like it's going quickly because it is, and that's kind of how the process was meant to work. Uh, but we are uh, we still have a lot of a lot of funding left, and we had uh, under our master plan allocated a significant amount uh, for housing and healthy neighborhoods, right? Yeah, community healthy neighborhoods. Uh, economic development, uh, water sewer broadband, uh, mental health initiatives, all of those things are programs in the works. Uh, Once the council passed the master plan at the end of December of last year, our our city departments have been working to start to build those programs. And so there there are programs coming out, uh, you know, every couple work sessions as council gets the chance to provide some feedback and input. Um, we have started with the economic development projects, uh, and we've heard from council that they also want us to work on the neighborhood projects at the same time. You know, there is some method to the madness, right? I mean, we need uh, sustainable jobs and we need our businesses to continue to grow so that people can afford to stay in their homes, right? At the same time, we recognize that we also need to make improvements uh, to our housing stock here in the city, which is one of the oldest housing stocks in the nation. Uh, so we're working on, on those things hand in hand uh, in recognizing that there's also a lot of housing partners that have other funding right now. So we're trying to figure out a way, how do we make all of those things work together so that if you need to do certain type of uh, remodeling to your home, 
maybe it's not only a city project, but uh, another uh, organization that also has a project that doubles your funding to be able to make those things happen. Uh, we are looking at a lot of different programs in various cities on rehabilitation and renovation because we think it's important that if you have an opportunity to replace your housing stock or to renovate your housing stock, it not only increases the home values uh, across a neighborhood, makes it easier to potentially sell, but also increases your quality of life as you're living in that home. So to the people who have um, expressed concern or even council members who, who expressed some concern about how this money was going to go toward neighborhoods and housing, it's they, their concerns should be allayed is what I'm hearing right now. Is it? Yeah, you know, I, I think that one of the ideas that everyone thought that we had all of these programs ready to go, right? And uh, we very much had an idea, uh, but the city council didn't actually pass the okay for us to move forward until the end of December. So we're now at the end of March and programs are finally coming through. Uh, and I have to give credit to our uh, development office and our, our other offices that have been working to try to put these programs together. Uh, for those that listened in on the special meeting, I mean, we were talking about 20-some programs uh, that our team has been working to put every every detail together. Uh, and so it's a lot of work uh, to, to those things, and we only have a small team. I wish we had a larger team, but we didn't increase at all, even though we had the American Rescue Plan funds. Council was very adamant that we don't increase staff. Uh, and so we're working as hard as we can to try to get these out and to administer uh, those programs. At the same time, recognizing that we're also applying for grant funding. So if there's an opportunity for us to fund it with other grants that are coming down the pipeline, uh, we'll, we'll look at those things too to free up some more rescue plan funds for other programs. Mayor Sungos, is there anything else that's happening that you would want listeners to know about in terms of city government or things happening in the city? I really, I just want people to mark their calendars for this summer. I was looking at my, uh, my summer plans uh, the other day and the amount of activities going on in the city is absolutely phenomenal you know we were we were joking our department heads were joking the other day that they're starting to see some traffic back up on north main and other places that there's you know an actual traffic jam uh, although you know you may not think the traffic jabs are fun and your listeners probably don't uh, we often see that as a sign of more people coming into the city and uh, the ability for us to see more people who are coming to stay here, spend here, uh, and our own residents coming back to the downtown and, and to other parts. So it's really a great thing when I see the number of events happening this summer, when I see the people uh, that are walking the street and driving in and, and biking in and all those things, it tells me that we've, we've I've said all along, we've been healing, but I think we're almost there where we're geared up to really get people back to doing what they do best. All right. Well, I'll look forward to Comptroller Ryan Thompson's uh, sales tax report, which will surely reflect any of that and everything. So that and I'm sure that will come up in the coming quarters and we'll have more on that and other newscasts here on WRFA. Well, Mayor Sunquist, thank you so much for stopping in today and talking to us about all these uh, topics that I threw at you today and uh, look forward to the next time. My pleasure.